0: Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue
1: Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. So great to have you here with us on our show today. The show today is brought to you by our friends over at Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports. Dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks. No funky props. Just your skill versus the lineups that you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. On today's show I'm joined by my good friend Ryan LaVoy to talk about the first weekend of the NCAA tournament as a whole. Duke advancing to the Sweet 16 along with two other teams from the Atlantic Coast Conference. We dive into all of that on today's show. Thanks for making Lockdown Blue Devils your first listen each and every day. If you have done so already, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, let's get into it. Ryan LaVoy joining me now here on today's show, one of my very good friends, a colleague of mine professionally. Uh, Ryan, we saw March Madness. We saw the NCAA tournament we're into the sweet 16 let's just start there how awesome was it to have college basketball's uh, premier event the best tournament in sports back on our lives this past weekend
0: well it was great and with full attendance and with everything being back to normal in that regard unbelievable you know you get the true uh, captivation of it and and how big moments are bigger when everyone can't believe what just happened not just at home but In attendance and certainly with St. Peter's beating Kentucky on the opening night, that's one of those moments. Of course, they advance all the way to the Sweet 16 now, taking out another team from the state of Kentucky with slightly less notoriety, I believe. Uh, But it's just awesome to have it back and have it in full swing. And I think we have a Sweet 16, which we'll get into with a lot of teams, despite their seed rankings, that are very familiar with this territory.
1: Tell me about uh, the weekend for you watching all the games as well. Staggering the tip-off time, so it felt like for four days in a row you always had college basketball on. Uh, you and I both, you got me in this mood where it's like you got to have a multiple TV setup for any great operation that you have at a, at a place to watch basketball. But uh, it was so much fun to always have multiple games on at the same time.
0: Right, because I, I think that it, it makes it, even cooler from the standpoint of it's so rare for you to have a, a window where there's nothing entertaining on, because once you start to get to Sweet 16 and Elite Eight, if the game not as much Sweet 16 because there usually is two games at one time, but in the Elite Eight, it gets isolated to where if that game is a snoozer, rather you know whether it be because you don't have a rooting interest or because the game is a blowout, you're stuck. That's that's that's, that's right. the basketball for the moment. But if your team is is not playing in the early rounds, one of those games is going to have a storyline that's worth following. One of those games is either going to be a big upset alert or one of those games is going to be crazy and go to overtime, something like that. So, you know, you got to appreciate these opening the opening weekend tournament because, yes, that's not where the, the banners are, are hung, but it's where the moments that we really think about for a long time, like the huge upsets and buzzer beaters, that's where they really kind of – uh really bring us in because that's when you kind of got eyes all over the place and you're trying to watch as many of those moments as possible
1: ryan joined us on friday's podcast it's now the next week. Here we are on this Tuesday edition of Lockdown Blue Devils. We know by now that Duke defeated Cal State Fullerton, and then on Sunday, a thrilling game, a nine-point victory over the Michigan State Spartans. And for the 25th time in his coaching career, Mike Krzyzewski is heading to the Sweet 16. Ryan, just give me a, a, a big-picture thought here before our first break on on Duke advancing to the Sweet 16.
0: Yeah, so we talked about on Friday what they kind of needed to do, and I remember asking you uh, if you'd rather see Michigan State, right. Davis. I believe you said Michigan State. And, and of course, this was a, uh, a pretty epic game. And really a lot of these high seeds, even though we still got 3-1 seeds, we got, uh, I believe, 2-2 two two seeds to go into the Sweet 16 they all were tested at some point. Even Villanova had some, some yeah. tight moments throughout the first two rounds. But, uh, I mean, we I could go through the list and tell you all tight games at some point. But, but certainly Duke trailing by five with, I think, about five minutes yep. left, something like that. Um, you know, it, it was a, a close one. But I remember we talked about Jeremy Roach was the guy I singled out and said, I think he's been increasingly good for Duke, and I think that's an increasingly good thing for Duke, because he can kind of help balance the scales, get everybody in the right spots, and take some pressure off of Paolo and and and, you know Griffin's three-point shooting and that sort of thing. And I think when you look at that Michigan State game, I think five guys had double figures. And so it wasn't just the Bancaro show or the A.J. Griffin show or whatever. It was a very well-balanced offensive attack and a game that they did need to score 80-plus points or about 80 points in. So I think that – they are gelling well offensively. They've always had a talent. It's not like that was a huge need for the team, but just something to bring everything together offensively. To where they didn't have weak moments Because they're going to face a Texas Tech team I know I shouldn't be getting ahead of myself But they're going to face a Texas Tech team That's really good defensively But if they can have that kind of balance Then Texas Tech is not going to just be able to be Okay with taking one thing away from Duke Because Duke has many things that you need to take away And I think against Michigan State They did multiple things well Mark Williams was impactful offensively Caro got to his spots And like I said Jeremy Roach did a really good job Of running the show
1: We talk more about the Duke and Texas Tech matchup Coming up in just a moment Duke wins over Michigan State, 84-75. Jeremy Roach, Mark Williams, Wendell Moore Jr. all had 15 points for Duke over Michigan State. Paulo led the way with 19. Trevor Keels added 12. Also against Cal State Fullerton, Duke had Five guys in double figures in that game as well. Trevor Kielsen, single digits. AJ Griffin, the double figure guy in that win, and then reverse those roles against Michigan State. Excited for what's to come as Duke gets set to take on Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. More on that in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Heroes NCAA single game pickums. Pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with the game plan that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. In addition to their pick 'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through. And take on head to head. Right now, go and sign up for free at stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back into Lockdown. Blue Devils here on this Tuesday. J.J. Jackson hanging out with Ryan LaVoy. Follow our show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and go ahead and subscribe and follow this podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review. It means the world when you take the time to do that. All right, as we take a look at uh, Duke basketball now getting set to head to San Francisco, they will take on Texas Tech on Thursday night. The second game, Gonzaga plays Arkansas, and then about 30 minutes after that game goes final, Duke will take on Texas Tech in a Sweet 16 matchup there. The Red Raiders, as Ryan pointed out earlier, very, very good defensively. They participated in the 2019 Final Four. Uh, It's a really good basketball team, no longer led by head coach Chris Beard as he went on to Texas, but a lot of the same coaching staff in place. They're leading Texas Tech and and this Duke basketball team has got to take care of the basketball and again rely on the talent the top tier talent that they have if they want to get it done against Texas Tech that's how I'm looking at this matchup
0: well and I think that going back to Jeremy Roach that's where taking care of the ball and him orchestrating things is important Uh, I think that Texas Tech is really good defensive defensive team but but what happens with some of these great defensive teams is they're not great offensively And looking at Texas Tech's numbers, Texas Tech only shoots 31% from three. It's not a good three-point shooting team at all. And why I think that's a problem for Texas Tech is Duke is pretty good on two-point defense, at least around the rim, because of Mark Williams, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Because of the length of Paulo know, I, I think that it is easier to get perimeter shots against Duke than it is to get down low. So... You saw Michigan State shoot great from three today. Um, Obviously, they didn't have the defense Texas Tech has, but I don't think Texas Tech can make the deep shots that Michigan State uh, did last weekend. And so, you know, I I think that when you're looking at how Texas Tech could bother Duke, you know, it really is going to have to be limiting Duke in transition because any good defensive team is going to want to be able to set their defense, so – you know, Texas Tech, the one thing they can do is if they take short shots, that does not prevent as many run-out opportunities as maybe a long rebound would. So Texas Tech, conversely, needs to take care of the ball not let Duke get in transition. And then secondly, I think that they have really got to do a good job when they're on offense, like I say, try and get Mark Williams out of the game. It's not a strategy that – a lot of teams employ on guys that are just simply good defenders. Usually if you have someone that is a great offensive player, you're like, well, we can't stop them defensively, so let's get, just get him out of the game foul-wise. Usually you don't say about a, right. a rim protector, hey, let's get him out of the game. But I think that they'll have to do that against Duke because, like I said, I think Texas Tech will have trouble scoring in this game because I don't think they'll take advantage of maybe Duke's you know, a little bit lesser perimeter defense. And I, and I know statistically Duke has been very good mm-hmm. throughout the year, so I know a lot of people right now are like, hey, this guy hasn't watched. But just <laughs> going off of recent and, yeah. and what's plagued Duke in the last five As or six games. said, the games, last five
1: of, five of their last six games in the regular season and the ACC tournament were their worst right. defensive performances of the year. Right. Yeah, you know, Everything you say is valid.
0: I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So, so Michigan State being able to shoot well from three and just nevertheless knowing that Texas Tech doesn't do that well – they are going to want to get inside and it's very hard to do that against Mark Williams.
1: And Ryan, that's why I wanted to play Michigan State because you compare the Spartans to the Davidson Wildcats, it's you know, you don't want to play Davidson at all. Then Michigan State goes off and makes 11 of 22 three-pointers, 50% from that territory, 7 of 10 three-point shooting in the first half. So, yes, you go and and you want to attack the Uh, not as great three-point shooting teams and then it feels like sometimes they can't have big-time performances. But I would counter to Duke fans out there that could be concerned by saying this Duke basketball team against Michigan State only made five three-pointers. Duke was just five of 13 from three-point range and still won the basketball game and advances on to the Sweet 16 and still also scored 84 points. Duke's offense was incredibly efficient against the spartans it was a lot of drives and layups at the rim you mentioned jeremy roach but watching that game and seeing highlights uh, after the fact again we've seen trevor keels even drive and dump dump off to mark williams Wendell more polo like sharing the ball with the big guys down there or finishing at the rim duke can score even if they're not making three-point shots from the outside
0: right and uh, they even still though they don't have to take a lot of threes to be in rhythm because keels hit a big three there late and and you did mention his playmaking he made a couple plays on the drive and uh you know I think Bancaro did such a good job of getting to his spots against Michigan State so and and really he's done that all year long he's able to get where he wants you know the question is if he's dialed in from the perimeter or not because then you really don't have any chance against him but you know I, I think that Texas Tech like I said will want this game to be lower scoring And I think Duke has more paths to victory in this one. I know Texas Tech was a, you know, sleeper three seed. And I I think if you look at this bracket, regardless on how it came out, because, yes, I realize one through four seeds are advancing the Sweet 16. But I think people would have looked at this and said it probably was the toughest region because – You have Gonzaga as the number one overall seed. You know how talented Duke is as a two. A lot of people high on Texas Tech as a three. And then Arkansas just in general had played pretty good basketball the last month and a half of the season. And so, albeit the SEC ended up really crashing and burning here in this NCAA tournament. But this is a tough region, but I still I just look at it between Duke and Texas Tech and I still slightly favor Duke just because I would really worry about Texas Tech's ability to score and knowing Duke's talent, even if Texas Tech is playing great defense like they're capable of, Bancaro can still make tough shots. Keels can still make a deep three. Griffin is still a great three point shooter. Williams still cleans up the glass. So there's still opportunities amidst great defense for Duke to score through that.
1: Our friends over at Bet Online have Texas Tech as a one point favorite when they open the line. For Duke and the Red Raiders still time for that line to move more so in favor of Duke or who knows maybe people will send the money over towards uh, Texas Tech and have the Red Raiders be favored by a little bit more Texas Tech a 35 point win over Montana State in the first round of the NCAA tournament. On Sunday, they defeated Notre Dame by just six. Notre Dame was in the basketball game with a minute left to go, and then Texas Tech made more plays down the stretch to win that one. Interesting, taking a look at some of the Big 12 teams in the Sweet 16. You've got Texas Tech, you've got Kansas, and you've got Iowa State. And I would let people know that in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament just a few weeks ago, here we are recording this on Tuesday, March 22nd, and 12 days ago, Texas Tech beat Iowa State, by 31 points, and Iowa State is now getting set to play in uh, the Sweet 16. That's insane.
0: Yeah, I look. 12 days ago, March you Madness, lost by 31
1: yeah. in your conference tournament, and now you're in the Sweet 16.
0: March Madness is just its own unique thing. And I know after the fact, we can go back and look at, look at it and say, oh, well, this team was clearly playing better basketball. But sometimes – it's where did that come from? Yeah. And sometimes it's only, well, they played great in that one particular tournament because, conversely, we expected someone like Iowa to make a big run after winning the Big Ten tournament or Tennessee after winning the SEC tournament, and they're neither one even sniffed the switch. I mean, I guess Tennessee won a game, right. but Tennessee loses there in the round of 32 to an 11 seed, and I know that Michigan is not your typical 11 seed, but – A lot of people debated the credentials of Michigan even getting in the NCAA tournament, so that's not the type of team you expect a team like Tennessee who just ran through their conference tournament to lose to. So ultimately, it is wacky that Iowa State is in the Sweet 16, and they're going to play a Miami team that knocks out Auburn, who Auburn ranked number one at one point in the season and looked like world beaters for about 25 games. and you know i guess you could see them coming more as yeah. someone that could lose earlier just cuz their last 5 or 6 games but still miami probably not on the list of teams you thought would be in the sweet 16 so there are some upsets here there's still power conference teams with the exception of st peters so it doesn't feel like there's many cinderella's but at this time of year i mean this time of the tournament you're really narrowing it down anyway so uh, but yeah, it's crazy. You know, Iowa State. I guess if you try to do some paper math there, then Iowa State, you know, would have. Uh, you know, whenever Texas Tech loses, you could just say, oh, Iowa State would have lost by fifty of these guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. Then,
1: <laughs> no doubt about that, Texas Tech. Is 27 and nine on the season? Duke with a 30 and six overall record. The Red Raiders lost their final two games of the regular season to TCU and Oklahoma State. They lost by 31 to Iowa State. Again, a Sweet 16 team. Or excuse me, they won by 31. Uh, over Iowa State, who is a Sweet 16 team in the quarterfinal of the Big 12 tournament, and then against Oklahoma in the semifinals. Texas Tech only won by one. Oklahoma did not make the NCAA tournament, and then Texas Tech lost in the Big 12 title game by nine points to Kansas. Let's take one more timeout When we come back, some other ACC teams in action in the Sweet 16. we we'll talk about that in just a moment. Today's show was brought to you by our friends over at BetOnline. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and information. As I said a moment ago, BetOnline has Texas Tech favored by one against the Duke Blue Devils. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Final few moments here today of Locked On. Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson, hanging out with Ryan LaVoy on the show. Duke in the Sweet 16. They are competing in San Francisco as they will take on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Also making it to the Sweet 16 in the ACC, a league that for all of 2022, until the regular season came to a close, only one ACC team was ranked in the AP Top 25. Following North Carolina's defeat of Duke in Cameron Indoor Stadium, the Tar Heels were added back into the top 25. But for all of 2022, it was only the Duke Blue Devils receiving top 25 votes. And now there are three ACC teams still dancing in the Sweet 16. The Duke Blue Devils, the North Carolina Tar Heels, an eight seed and 8-seed and 10-seeded the Miami Hurricanes. Tell me about the ACC play as of late.
0: Yeah, well, I mean... It- it really is something else because I would have told you that this league was just having maybe its worst season that we could ever remember. And I, I said and I'll go ahead and um up to it, I said last weekend, I said, you know, I thought that Duke could have even dominated this conference and probably should have dominated this conference a little bit more than they did, but when you consider that there are three sweet sixteen teams, which is tied for as many as any conference. Right. Well, then all of a sudden that 16-4 and looks like a pretty normal run through the gauntlet, (laughs) win the regular season, looks very understandable. And I know two of those losses are to these two very teams right here. And so I think when you look at Carolina, some people could have seen this coming, maybe – not as much because of Carolina's recent play, although the the win over Duke was very eyebrow-raising, but because Baylor has been getting more and more injuries throughout the season. They were one of the more unhealthy teams that were playing as a a higher seed there and then got another injury right before the NCAA tournament. So not trying to take anything away from North Carolina. They still beat a really good team and uh, shot the lights out and and almost blew a historical lead but then came through in overtime. But – You know, that one was kind of seen a little bit, but I don't know how many people saw Miami coming. Uh, When you consider that, A, USC was a team with a lot of victories. Now, metric-wise, they weren't graded out well uh, for a seven seed, and there were some questions about how they got thumped a couple times by UCLA in the Pac-12. But nevertheless, it was a team that won a lot of games. And then, uh, as I mentioned in the previous segment, for Miami to go and beat Auburn, who – uh, at parts of the of the season, look like as a good of a team as anybody in the country. You know, Miami really has found something with their guard play and, and just using Mcgusty and Wong and all these guards to uh, penetrate and open passing lanes and, and all this. And and so Miami has really changed uh, their their season with with that move. And um, you know, here we are. This is the tournament that matters, right? It doesn't matter as much what Miami does on a random February day to Wake Forest or Boston College or whoever, they will always care more about this part of it. And uh, when you have three ACC teams in the Sweet 16, uh, it's winning time, it's, it's banner time, and, and these teams are coming through.
1: Really impressive stuff from the Atlantic Coast Conference. Miami heading on to the Sweet 16 under head coach Jim Lironega. And then, of course, the North Carolina Tar Heels' first season of Hubert Davis making their way to take on UCLA. Uh, this matchup was supposed to happen a little bit earlier in the season, Ryan. Of course, Duke always plays in the Champions Classic against Michigan State, Kansas, and Kentucky on a rotation. There's also in an event for college basketball fans annually every season featuring North Carolina, Ohio State, Kentucky, and UCLA. And this year, we were scheduled to see a North Carolina-UCLA matchup COVID-19 had other plans and all of a sudden Ohio State-UCLA back out of the event. North Carolina plays Kentucky in the event for a second straight season and uh, Kentucky blew them out of the gym in that game. But now we actually get to see that North Carolina and UCLA matchup here in the Sweet 16.
0: I think it'll be a better matchup now. <laughs> I think there's a little bit more on the on the line. And I was joking with you earlier today because we were talking about you know Carolina when they played Purdue earlier this season because if Carolina were to win, you would assume Purdue would beat St. Peter's. How dare I assume anything in March? <laughs> but if Carolina and Purdue were to meet up in the Elite Eight, uh, we saw that game earlier this year. It was played. It was a very high-scoring game. It was like 93-84 or something like that. But Kerwin Walton started and played 20-some-odd minutes for Carolina. Anthony Harris played like 15 20 minutes off the bench. Neither one of those guys will play minutes. Uh, if they have played minutes, then something has gone horribly wrong for Hebert Davis's Crazy. team. But But so it's a different Carolina team. It's also a UCLA team that just turns the switch on in March. This UCLA team was ranked highly coming into this year, not because of anything it did in the regular season last year, but because of what it did in totality in the postseason and getting to the Final Four and having all these guys back from that Final Four team. To be honest, it was probably a little disappointing in the regular season this year. But here it is, and it's in the Sweet 16, and it doesn't have to face a one seed. It's facing an eight seed, and I get it. It's the University of North Carolina, but it's still an eight seed, and UCLA – finds ways to win these games. With this team, uh, Tiger Campbell's jump shooting has improved drastically. Uh, If you're looking for any differences in last year's team, uh, Bernard takes like a million shots now, uh, and he was kind of an afterthought on last year's team. But, um, yeah, I I think that – not all Johnny Juzang. Right, I think that matchup would be is going to be very interesting because Carolina is about the hottest shooting team in the country right now. But like I said, UCLA seems to be one of the most clutch teams in the country, and it's kind of hard to define that in the moment, right? Because we don't see teams stay together for very long. But just summing up what they've done this year so far in the tournament, and a couple close games, and then in last year's tournament with all those games out of the out of, I think, believe they started in the first four last mm-hmm. year. They did um, having to win all that. This team has had a trip or two, and so if it's a close game, UCLA might get the advantage just because of that. Carolina's had some weaker moments in in the late games when a close game.
1: And they played an epic first four game last year against Michigan State and then found a way to run all the way to the Final Four, did UCLA. So North Carolina and UCLA going head-to-head. Miami goes head-to-head with Iowa State, and then Duke takes on Texas Tech in the Sweet 16. If Duke defeats Texas Tech, they will play the winner of Gonzaga and Arkansas either eric musselman and the Hawks out of the sec or gonzaga team that is the number one overall seed that lost to the duke blue devils by four in las vegas back on black friday the day after thanksgiving ryan as we wrap up today just give me your final thoughts on duke basketball going in uh, to their regional final in san francisco
0: yeah i think duke should feel really good um now, granted, I think anyone that advances to the Sweet Sixteen feels good. Yeah. Like I don't think Saint Peter's is going to be over there saying, "Man, I can't believe <laughs> we had such close games." You know, everybody is going to be excited to get here. Everybody's aware that there's a one seed that's already lost. The defending national champions are out. Everyone's aware that big old bad Kentucky is out. Uh, Auburn's out, and so just getting here means you've accomplished something. And I think for Duke to fall behind. You know, I think the worst way Duke could have won was if they kind of had a a decent lead throughout and then had to hang on in the end. Uh, But I think the best win is that they that they had a lead for a little while, then let it go and were in trouble, and then overcame that. Because in reality, you're not going to win three or four straight 20-point games. No doubt. You might have one of those. We've seen some lopsided games in Final Fours and stuff before. But to win a national championship, you have to win in close game situations. And for Duke to do that, that's a good sign. I, I like their chances against Texas Tech because I think, like I said, it's going to be really hard for Texas Tech to conjure up enough offense because they're they're not used to having to score seventy five points to win, but I just don't see Duke having like a fifty eight point game all of a sudden. Right. And so I like Duke for that reason in that game. And then look, even if you play Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. You already beat him. Duke's not going to be afraid. You know, Chet Holmgren is still like 85 pounds. <laughs> mark, like, you know, so you still don't have to be intimidated. And, and, JJ, I would say to you that when I think about Duke and Gonzaga, I don't know if there's anybody on Gonzaga that can guard Bancaro. Sure. I don't think they have a perfect matchup for him. And I know I've spent a lot of time with this balance, but ultimately, Bancaro's is still the best player on the floor. And yes, I do think he's better than Chet Holmgren. And so he, he showed why when they went head-to-head in the first right.
1: meeting. And if it wasn't for Cramps in the second – I mean, the guy had like 20-something points in the first half. Sure. And then Cramps really took him out of the game in the second half.
0: So, I mean, you can talk about how good Timmy <laughs>
1: yeah. is or
0: Holmgren or, or how good of a shooter Nimhardt is or, or Sear Bolton, but none of those guys are great matchups defensively for Paolo Banquero. And so I, I think that Duke should still feel good about sure. that. Now, do they end up getting the Final Four – we I don't know. I, I, I know nothing. I, I My bracket is horrible. But I do know that Duke is not going to be intimidated. They're good enough to beat everyone in this field, and I think they should feel really good about having to battle from behind in a late-game situation and, and win a close one like, like the Michigan State game.
1: Ryan, thanks for stopping by again for the second straight week, and I hope that you uh, sincerely enjoy all the basketball coming up this weekend.
0: Uh, I plan to. It's the best time of year. you got to savor it because we're running out of games, yes, man. you got to watch everyone intently.
1: <laughs> First round when it's 64 teams still left, you're like, okay, I know I have 32 games, but wait a minute. When more teams get eliminated, that means fewer games up on the schedule as well. That's Ryan LaVoy joining us here today on Locked on Blue Devils. Follow him on Twitter at zero. You can connect with me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore, and be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you will get the latest episode of Locked on Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. Now go check out the Locked on ACC podcast with Candace Cooper. As we have told you, it's exciting time of year because there are three teams remaining in the NCAA tournament. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.